Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. are currently in a series that we're calling Summer Mixtape and uh, hoping that you guys are having a lot of fun this month, maybe listening to some, some oldies over the, um, over the airwaves. Do they even say that anymore? Probably not as we come in, but hopefully even more than that, as we have these messages this month through the month of July, you're going to find something that kind of captivates your heart and that you're going to be able to rely on from year, for years to come, that you're going to be able to look back on this and remember um, one of these messages um, and, and just kind of use it um, in your life maybe 10, 20 years from now. So I want to go ahead and take care of the elephant that's in the room. Why am I carrying this towel? Somebody said, are we going full Pentecostal? Is this happening right now? No, don't worry. Um, it's for me to wipe my I'm just kidding. I don't preach that hard. Not for me to wipe my sweat. Sometimes it gets a little hot under these lights. But really, um, I just I, I wanted to carry this because today I thought it would be fitting. Uh, the title of the message today, if you look at your message notes, is throw in the towel. Throw in the towel. Um, you probably have never had somebody tell you that before, to go ahead and just throw in the towel, just, just quit. In fact, um, most people would say, don't throw in the towel. If you've, if you've ever, um, has anybody ever watched boxing before? Any boxing fans in here? Um, so it's not as popular as it used to be, probably because like UFC, mixed martial arts is kind of on the scene now. But um, boxing is kind of a crazy sport. Like, Grown men and, and women too, okay, we, we're all inclusive here, some of you. Grown men and women, not, they get in a ring, not together, because that would be terrible. They get in a ring, and they just like take turns punching each other in the face, and they get paid to do it. And for them, I don't know if it's great. I guess if you get a good enough payday, it's a great day, right? But, but they just get in there, and they just throw punches at each other. And inevitably, inevitably, inevitably someone is going to get just beaten to a pulp. And so this term, throw in the towel, originated as a boxing term. And it, and it means what would happen is that when one fighter would be overwhelmingly, being overwhelmingly beaten by his um, or her opponent, their coach or their trainer would take their sweat towel this, that they had and, and they would throw it into the ring to signify that they're giving up. That, okay, match over, there's no way. We're just giving, we're giving up and we're giving in. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Rocky III. Um, I love the Rocky movies myself. The Ro Rocky III is the one where he fights the Russian. If you guys need a reference here, he will break you. You know, just Ivan Drago. He, so he, Rocky in this movie has to deal with, his, this whole movie is him dealing with the emotional consequences of him not actually throwing in the towel for one of his great friends, Apollo Creed. And Apollo actually gets hit so hard by this Russian that he literally just, he gets beat, he gets punched to death. I mean, he just dies right there. He just gets punched so hard that he dies right there in the ring. And, and as I was kind of looking for things to talk about in this message, I, I ran across this clip. I think it's from some years back, and it gets me every single time that I watch it. I'm not going to say much more about it, but you guys will see. Just if you'll play this little clip for me. Turn up this volume so they can hear it. It is 
is a heavyweight matchup. I'm going to let you know when that man fights, F.A. Ajagba, do not blink. Of his five professional bouts, four of them have been done in the first round. So he likes to bring an end to opponents in quick fashion. And Curtis Harper has walked out of the ring. Wait, what? I cannot believe he said no. No, not going to happen. So this guy, this gets me every time. So this guy, there, he's, I mean, he's professional. <laughs> Look at him walking away. He's getting booed. So this guy, he's, they're professional boxers, and, and he steps in this ring, and he, he must have realized in the moment, what did I sign up to do? Like, you know, he, they, they, they do all their fight conference stuff and press conferences beforehand. He's probably doing all the trash talking. But when he steps in the ring with this guy, and I don't blame him. The guy looks like a G.I. Joe action figure, you know what I mean? Like, he's, they said don't blink, and, and this guy walked out. And, and he threw in the towel before he ever even got started, before the match even started taking place, he, he threw in the towel and, you know, today we use this same term in pretty much the same way, but it doesn't really have to be a boxing match. We use it in, in life when we feel like maybe giving up on a project at work or maybe life gets real difficult. Maybe a relationship isn't working out like we feel like it should and we just feel like we need to throw in the towel. It means I give up. I can't, do, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep doing this. And I surrender our text this morning is a real short one. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. It's also on your message notes, or if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. Just It'll be on the screens behind me as well. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24, says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So we find this, this similar conversation that takes place really in three out of the four Gospels. This same conversation happens in your Bible in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And they all include this same conversation. But that doesn't mean it happened like three separate times. It just means that the writers, three, three out of the four writers of the Gospels felt that it was important enough to include in their writing that this conversation took place. And so when we read about it, we read that Jesus is uh, speaking to this crowd around him, and, it, and it's always preceded by Jesus foretelling his own death. He said, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, um, and, and, and it, but it doesn't stop there. And Jesus is foretelling his death, but most of the time, um, in, when we read in the Gospels uh, that Jesus talks about his death, and then this, this guy named Peter, one of, his, uh, one of his disciples, one of his followers, he puffs up and he said, no, Jesus, you, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to let this happen. And Jesus rebukes Peter, which means, like that word rebuke means to chop down like a tree. Like it's a, it's a harsh word. By the way, the Bible tells us that sometimes as brothers and sisters, we should also be rebuking one another. And I would say this, if you see somebody that's stuck in kind of a life or death situation, like, like hey, dude, you're running, you're going off the road. There is a time where we are called to rebuke our brothers and sisters and, and sharply chop them down because their soul matters more than their feelings. Sometimes 
But don't use that as an excuse. Okay, we shouldn't always be doing that. But Jesus rebukes Peter and he, and he says to him uh, what, what he says in our text. He, this is his answer. He says, hey, whoever's, whoever's going to follow me has to deny themselves and then take up their cross and follow me. And Jesus gives us our text. And at this time when Jesus spoke, um, he's speaking of really a very specific uh, set of events that are to come to pass. But I really believe the principle here was, is that Jesus was speaking this and, and we can apply something from it to our lives as well today. See, today in society, we're very self-focused, right? Like we are the selfie generation, baby. In fact, if you guys looked on uh, Facebook this morning, you would have seen, a, uh, what is it called when you take a, it's not a selfie, but it's a teenager, help me out. What's it when there's two of you? Nobody? I don't know either. Okay, so you would have seen a selfie that my wife and I took this morning. We're, we're just a selfie generation. It, we're driven by our need for approval in our, in our social media. And, and it's not uncommon to hear phrases like, follow your heart, put yourself first, don't go the extra mile for someone who wouldn't take a step for you. Sometimes you hear, you do you, boo-boo. I don't know. I don't make these things up. We have self-identification. We have self-care. We have self-preservation. And listen, all these things, they're not bad until they start becoming prioritized over God's things. When we start prioritizing our, our personal desires and personal wants over what God's desires and God's wants, that's when it starts becoming unhealthy. So let me give you an example of something that I know you can connect with because I feel this deep in my spirit, okay? So let me set the stage. You get to a restaurant, all right? You guys are like, I knew it was going to involve food. You get to a restaurant. There's people outside. They're most likely waiting on a table. And someone starts approaching the door right behind you. And you're hit with this moment. You're like, what am I going to do? Are you going to make this monumental decision in a split second to open the door and beat them inside? Or are you going to hold the door and risk the extra five to ten minutes of wait time? You don't have to say the answer out loud. I know what some of you are thinking. I'm going to make it in the restaurant. What I'm going to do. But really, what would you do? What would you really do? Not what you, you think you should do, because we all know we should hold the door, right? Let's just, but we all know we wouldn't hold the door. And so the answer to that scenario is going to really explain a lot about how you prioritize things in your life. Let me tell you about somebody that I know. Okay, I know him, I know him pretty well. Okay, I, I wouldn't call him a friend, I would really maybe call him acquaintance. I don't, I don't really like him much, okay? I don't like him too much, so just deal with that. Um, but, but most of the time, uh, you know, you all probably know him too because you have to deal with him on a daily basis. And his name is me. And we all have to deal with me throughout our day, throughout our, our hours that we're awake. We have to deal with me consistently. Now, let me tell you about me. Me is selfish. Sorry for any English teachers in the room. You're going to hate this. Me is selfish. Me has a, ten, uh, a tendency to be harsh. 
Me is looking for approval and respect. Me is trying to get ahead at any cost. Me wants to do it because me can. You can go ahead and assign more traits to me if you want because honestly we all have a me. And me is, me is thinking about themselves all the time and putting the priority on what does me want. And your Bible actually uh, talks about this. And, and the Bible re- will refer to this as our flesh, um, the carne asada, you know what I mean? Like the flesh, that, that's carne asada, like the, the meat, the steak, nope, okay. Okay, glad I didn't choose that title for my message. Um, this is this flesh. This is the part of you that wars against what God wants. And each of us has this war that happens inside of us. And, and it's found in, um, the Bible talks about it in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 17 it says this, For the desires of the flesh, the desires of me, are against the Spirit, are against God. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The ways of your flesh, the ways of me, are constantly at war with the ways of God. It's a constant turmoil, a constant struggle inside each one of us. But you're not powerless against it. In fact, um, you know what the prescription is? Galatians 5, it's great because it tells us the problem in 17. And then in verse 18, the writer thinks, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and tell them the, the solution, the prescription to their problem. In, in chapter 5, verse 18, one verse later, the writer Paul says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, the, the ways of the flesh... Have nothing over you. So, so the prescription to being a slave to your flesh is to be led by the Spirit of God. Picture it like this. You have two horses that are in a tug of war with each other. Which one is going to win? It's going to be the one that you feed the most. This is what your spirit is like. Flesh versus spirit. And you have to make the choice to feed one and starve the other because you can't feed both at the same time. You're going to choose one or the other. And you ha- we have to come to a place in our lives, really, when we, when we start feeding our flesh or feeding our spirit, where we just give in, we throw in the towel, and we just let Jesus win. Because our spirit has the potential to be much stronger than anything that our flesh can offer. But you got to give it. It's when you come to the end of yourself that you can truly discover who Jesus is. It's not until then. We have to come to the end of me until, before we can really discover who Jesus is. And Jesus says this, in order to be his disciple, I must first... Deny myself. To discover Jesus, I have to come to the end of me. If you're taking notes this morning, I've got three key statements, three, three points here that I want to bring up about how do we put an end to me. What realizations can we make to put an end to me? Number one, the end of me is a moment of realization. It's a moment of realization See, the end of me happens when I have this realization of where 
I truly am in life. Where I truly am, what I'm truly doing, there's this moment of realization. And there might have been a, a, a sequence, a series of events that have led up to this moment, but there's always a moment. And it can always be identified as a moment. I remember my moment that everything broke. And I had the realization, I can't stay here. I can't. I can't stay here. And it's the wake-up call. A lot of times people identify this moment as hitting rock bottom. If you've heard rock bottom before. So there's, even, there's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15 where Jesus talks about this, and he talks about, he's giving a story, he's, it's, a, it's called a parable, and it's really what it is, it's just a made-up story by him in order to demonstrate a kingdom, a heavenly principle. And so he's, he tells this story of this, this son, it's called the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. This, this son went to his father, and he demanded his inheritance early. He said, give me what you owe me, you're not dead yet, but I want, my, I want what's mine, Give me what, what I'm going to have when you pass. And then he went off. He took, all his, he took all his possessions. He went off to a distant country, and he squandered his wealth with what the Bible calls loose living. I'll let you just determine what that is for yourself. But he, he's, he squanders it with loose living, and, and so much so that he can't even afford to eat. He spent himself dry, can't even afford food. And so he ends up trying to um, get food and money and things whatever way he can. So he ends up working in a pig pen. Not the most glamorous job for a rich son. He ends up working in this pig pen. And, and at, at one point in the story, it says he was longing for the food that the pigs would eat. And yet nobody gave him anything. And in, in chapter 15, verse 17... It says this, these six words, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. See, he had the moment of realization. When he came to his senses, he said, what? You know what? I don't have to stay here. I don't have to be here. Maybe your moment Happened in church on a Sunday morning. It was like your eyes were open for the first time and you realized finally that there's something more to life than what you're experiencing. Uh, maybe your moment didn't happen all nice and neat in the church. Maybe your moment happened on the bathroom floor after um, when you woke up the next morning after a, another night of partying. Maybe your rock bottom happened when you woke up in another stranger's bed. And you said something has to happen here. Maybe, maybe it was something that you couldn't even control. Maybe your rock bottom was a career that you lost due to the failings of someone else or a spouse that you couldn't win back and so it ended in divorce. Maybe it was a family member that you lost to sickness or tragedy. Whatever the event is, God can use it to open our eyes so that we come to real, the realization that there has to be more to life than this. It happens in a moment that you say, you know what? I've, I've got to stop living the way that I was living, doing the things that I was doing, because the things that I was doing got me here. And I don't even know where I am. And there's this moment of realization that has to happen before you can move forward and put an end to me. Number two, 
The end of me is a crossroads of decision. It's a crossroads of decision. See, you always have a choice. That was one thing that God saw fit to give us. He, it, it was Honestly, it's the greatest gift that God gave us aside from salvation, but it really feeds into that, is that God gave each one of us the ability to make the choice for ourselves, to make decisions on our own and not be pigeonholed into having to choose what he wants for us. God gave us a choice. Because you really can't have, you can't have true love and lack the ability to choose. That's not, it, it just can't happen. They can't coexist. So God gave us the freedom of choice. By the way, that's why I believe that, the, that the, the tree that Adam and Eve ate from that was in the middle of the garden, I believe that was the reason that it even existed in the first place because without the tree, Adam and Eve would have no semblance of what a choice was to live for God or to not. Anyway, not in my notes, that's just free. You pay me after the service. Um, so you have a choice. Every single day you have the choice. You can bite down and you can grit your teeth and you can keep on trekking through life the way that you've been or you can, you can give in and you can quit trying to do it in your own strength. John Maxwell, he's a, he's a, a leadership kind of guru in, um, in the world. John Maxwell, he writes in his book, um, Failing Forward, he writes this. He, he says, every major difficulty that you face is a uh, in life is a fork in the road. You choose which track you head down toward breakdown or breakthrough. We have the choice. And every decision is going to take you further and further down one of those roads. Breakdown or breakthrough. It's, it's kind of like the, cho- the horses that we talked about earlier, right? Which one are you feeding? The horse that you feed determines the direction And every action that you take is going to take you down one of two paths, God's way or my way. There's no in-between. Every person in here, okay, myself included, I can tell you that we've surrendered our life to Jesus. And I'll tell you, my way doesn't work. In fact, Jesus puts it like this. He said, wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many people find it. But narrow is the way that leads to life. But the problem is that few people find it. Because few people are willing to put an end to our own desires, our own self-centeredness, our own issues. And we find this wide way that leads to destruction. But Jesus has this nice narrow path that we can walk and we can find the way to life. And it's not narrow, and it's not, it's, it's not because it's like keeping us from fun. It's, it's really a place of protection. God says, hey, if you just live this way, you're going to find this abundant life, this life on high that we preach here at some of you so much. In fact, our whole mission in life as a church is to lead people to experience life on high. And life on high is found in the narrow way, the decision that most people don't want to make. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Find the good way because the good way leads to, leads to life. The good way leads to rest. Every other way is just leading to destruction. It's just leading to your downfall. And I'm here urging you today, 
Guys, take the way to life. The end of me is going to place you at a crossroads, but only one way is going to lead to rest. Only Jesus. And then number three, the end of me is a sacrifice of self. It's a sacrifice of self. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of God's mercy that we know to be true, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. So, so let me, let me, the music that was on the stage, our worship team is incredible, aren't they? They're just, they're great. But I'll tell you, too many of us think that our, our true worship to God is to come in here on Sundays and to sing it as loud as we can and think, I've done, my, I've done my 20 minutes and now I'm good for the rest of the week. When God says the truest form of our worship is when we sacrifice ourselves, when we, when we make ourselves a living sacrifice, meaning we put our old ways to death and in view of God's mercy, we start following in his ways. That is holy and pleasing. And that is the truest and the most proper form of worship to God. To experience the life that God wants you to live, you've got to give up your hopes, you've got to give up your dreams, and you've got to give up your plans. You've got to offer them to God, and in return, listen, He's going to give you plans that are much better. He's going to give you hopes and dreams that are much greater than that. Cassie and I, uh, we really got into uh, baseball a few years back. Like, not MLB. I don't, you know, I, I try to watch it, but, you know, every now and then I can. But, but like, high school baseball, Cassie's brother was, um, he played for Madison Central, and so we tried to make it to every game that we could make it to. And I really, I didn't know anything about baseball, okay? But, but because of him playing, um, I know just a little bit. Um, and so there's this play in baseball that's called a sacrifice bunt, okay? And, and what happens with a sacrifice bunt is that the, the player that's, that is batting hits the pitch in such a way that it lets all the other runners advance to the next base, but it usually ends up causing the batter to be thrown out at first base. So they make the bunt, they make the sacrifice bunt, and it causes the team to advance, but it causes themselves to get thrown out at first base. And with this sacrifice bunt, this player is choosing, uh, that's batting, they're choosing to give up their own chance at scoring in order to advance the team and put the team in a position to score. It's a sacrifice. So here's my question to you. When it comes to your life, what kind of sacrifice bunts do you need to make? What are some things that you need to lay down in order to better serve your family? What are some things that you need to lay down in order to advance the mission of God's kingdom in your life? Well, that doesn't sound good at all. I don't want to give that. Listen, here's the good thing, is that when you give up all that you think is good, God is going to give you things that are much greater. When you, when you give up game night and beers with the boys in favor of staying home and growing together with your family, it's worth it. 
when you refuse to take on more in your schedule so that you can concentrate on the few things that really are going to make a difference, the reward is worth it. See, you can say yes to everything in your life and you're going to be real popular with people. Or you can learn to start saying no and then you're going to trade popularity for respect. See, you gain, you gain popularity with your yes, but, but many times you gain respect with your no because it means that you're focused. You're living a life of focus. I know what is important to me. I know what I'm prioritizing. And so I know that if anything gets thrown my way and it's not in my lane of focus, I get to say no. I get to let God choose for me. So what are the sacrifice bunts that you need to make in your life? What are the things that you need to say no to? There's gonna come a time that in order to get God's best for your life, you have to lay yourself down and choose God's plan over your preference. There's a story in the Bible that's just such a powerful moment to me that the night that Jesus was going to be taken and tortured and hung on a cross to die in our place, it was, it was a time called Passover. It was a Jewish feast, and, and, and all the Jews would always gather with their family, and they would celebrate the Passover, which was celebratory of the time that they, they left Egypt, that they were freed from Egypt, and God had delivered them. And they're recalling this moment, but really what they didn't know is that the Passover was just a shadow of what Jesus had to come later down the line. That, see, they got freedom from Egypt, but Jesus is offering freedom from your sin. Jesus is offering freedom from your brokenness. And so Jesus takes his disciples on Passover, and he gathers them in a room, and he shares a meal together. And now Jesus did something that was so unexpected. He got up from his meal, he took his towel, and he knelt down, he wrapped it around his waist, he filled a basin with water, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, which you think that's weird today. What would you do if Pastor Michael came around and just took your shoes off started, you're like, I ain't going to this church no more. Jesus, it was even weirder then. Because when Jesus did that, you know, you know the person that would walk. See, that was a thing back then because everybody wore sandals and the roads would get dusty and people's feet would get nasty. And when Jesus took on the, the, the job of kneeling down and washing his disciples' feet, he took on the job that was reserved for the lowest servant in the household. Mm. The lowest servant in the household. Jesus knelt down. He said, I'm no greater. And he washed, he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And Jesus got done with them one by one. He'd wash his disciples' feet and he'd dry them with a towel that's wrapped around his waist. And he got to Peter, funny Peter. And Peter said, you think Peter would have learned by now? Peter said, no, Lord. You're never gonna wash my feet. I'm not gonna let it happen. And Jesus answered him this. He said, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part in me. 
Peter gives in, he says, well, then wash my hands and wash my head too. See, Peter here, in this, he was presented with this moment. The Lord of all creation, the Son of God, was asking to wash his feet. What was he going to do? Me as a man would be really weird to see the person that I worship getting down and washing my feet. But Peter was presented with a choice. He had to sacrifice himself. On that day, he had to let go of his pride. He had to let go of his ego. He had to let go of his self-preservation and his, his holy attitude. And he had to give in to that request that Jesus was making. He said, because without it, you got no part in me. I think Jesus makes that request to each one of us. And it's not necessarily just to wash your feet. He wants to serve you. But what else is it? What else is he, is he standing at right in front of you saying, hey, I want you to experience everything that I've got for you, but you can't do it as long as you're holding on to this. As long as you're holding on to me, as long as you're holding on to yourself, you're never going to be able to experience what I've got for you. Will you lay it down? Your pride, your ego, your bitterness, your resentment, the feeling that, that, that you're owed something, you're owed justice, you're owed an explanation. Will you lay it down? Will you just throw in the towel so that you can experience everything that God wants to get to you? Throw in the towel. Give up on your way. Listen, life has beaten you down long enough. God's word to you today can be summed up in five words. Our entire 30 minutes here together, every point make, that I made directing you to these five words. Give in. Let Jesus win. Let Jesus win this one because it's worth it in the end. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.